three, two, one, record. <laughs> okay. Nailed it. Got it. What excitement is in the air as we finish up the Twilight series with what is probably the best... <laughs> <laughs> hey, welcome to welcome to Pizza Toast. You didn't even welcome the audience to what we're doing. This is obviously... You know why? Because they're not welcome. Because oh. I because <laughs> how better to end this series than on a series of down notes. <laughs> this is obviously a podcast about middle grade and YA novels. And the TV and film adaptations. Woohoo! Ladies and gentlemen, we are in the top form. It's because we are emotionally exhausted from this week's book. Oh, yeah, my name's Christy. And my name's Phil. And I am no longer Team Edward. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'm even Team Stephanie Meyer after this. And what's funny is you were trucking along on this one. This was like your bread and butter. This was your this was your literal pizza toast. I loved the first 60% of this book. This book, okay. You know me. You've known me for a long time. I've known you for a long time. You might say we've known each other our whole lives. You might say that. You'd it be, would be exaggerating be by quite a, a bit, but yeah, you might say that. But you know that you know that I try to be very positive. I try to find the good in things. I do the uh, I do the same thing, and I think yeah, we appreciate this in each other. It's part of mm-hmm. why the show doesn't die every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, and I also have very little patience for people who have podcasts or shows where they act like reading a book or watching a movie that's not their best is like some kind of horrible punishment or like life struggle. I have no patience for that. When people are like, uh, I'm like, get over it. It's, it's a movie or a book. You're, you'll live another day. This book made me want to be dead. <laughs> this book made me at times wish someone would murder me. And I don't mean that lightly. Which book was that? Which book are we talking about here? <laughs> We are talking about Midnight Fun. <laughs> I'm going to do the... some ASMR quick. Here we go. I uh, couldn't hear it at all. <laughs> it's good. Uh, I heard it and I loved it. Uh, like 10% of the reason I drink so much Diet Coke is because of the sound of a can opening. Um, so much to the reason I drink so much Coke Zero is because I want my urine to be brown. <laughs> <laughs> I I was going to go into, like, the color of mine, depending on how much water and, like, what point of the day it is. I drink so much water, but I drink just as much Diet oh. Coke, so it really, it balances out. Um, yeah, I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm headachy, I feel bad, and my pee is thick. Why don't I grab another Coke Zero? <laughs> so, Midnight Sun is a book by Stephanie Meyer. The author of the Twilight series. It is, in fact, part of the Twilight series. It is, in fact, a book that she started many years ago. Uh, the first chapter leaked to the internet. It was, was more it just than, the first chapter. It I was, it was more like than the first a chapter. Chunk it was of a the book. good chunk. It was enough of the book that this is what I like. I remembered a lot of the exact phrasing from the first few chapters. 
kind of get to the point where Edward is in love with Bella, but she doesn't know that yet. And that's a, it's a while in. But some genius, uh, <laughs> I assume her publisher, leaked this very early draft of a huge high-profile project. Um, this is very similar to the uh, whoever worked at the publishing company who leaked that J.K. Rowling was uh, Robert whatever. Yeah. She's writing the mysteries and trying to do the thing where no one knew who it was. Real bummer. Uh, and this did then, in part, put Stephanie Meyer off from finishing the book for quite a while, despite her mother's protestations, which is maybe the best thing about this book at the end of the day, that her mother desperately wanted her to finish the Edward POV Twilight. It, she gave, she seems, it seems like she started working on this really as like a a, a boon for Robert Patterson. Patterson. Mm-hmm. Apparently she gave him like chunks of this narrative so for, for character work, which I am Sure, he devoured <laughs> greedily as an actor. Because if there's one thing we, I, I would need to know as an actor playing Edward, it's when Edward seems mad, is it because he's mad? Yeah, it's because he's mad. That's, that's what you find out in this book, is that everything you thought was going through Edward's head, probably what was going through Edward's head. Uh, when he when we get right down to it, until maybe the very last pages of the book, uh, it comes a little sooner for me. Um, I said to you before this that this was going to be our shortest episode ever. That is in large part because this is simply a retelling of Twilight, but from Edward's perspective, there is not that much more to it. There are some fun things going on in the background of Twilight that we don't get because of Bella's perspective, and those all happen very early in the book. They're sprinkled throughout in a playful way, and then the what is happening when Bella is not conscious becomes I'm not going to say unconscionably boring, but it is very tedious. What? What, what do you... Whoa, 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 what do you mean? <laughs> You mean you weren't interested in all the conversations about cars that the vampires have? The cars? There oh are two, boy. There are two bits uh, in the end of this, three, in the end of this book where I was like, uh, you know the end of the uh, New Moon film where the oldest and tiredest vampire is like, let us end this? That was me. So much of this book. Because when we get to the point where they need to save Abella from James... Okay, first we have the baseball game before it, and I have never been... I don't like reading descriptions of sports and books. I've never liked it, no matter which sport it is. Even if it is a fun, fictional sport, I hate the Quidditch scenes in Harry Potter. I think they're so useless. I The only time I like it is in Lev Grossman's The Magicians, because he is directly sending up Quidditch as being a stupid thing. Yeah. And that's funny. This is just... Describing the exact moves everyone is taking mm-hmm. because for the entire really baseball game, baseball. which thankfully we don't get when it's Bella because she doesn't care. <laughs> so the thing is, I was I went into this with high hopes because I was like, well, this could be interesting because Twilight the book starts off with Bella being like, hey, everybody, my name is Bella. I'm going to Forks. It's not really my choice, but it is my choice. I'm kind of upset. My mom is like this. My and you get a lot of this stuff. And then as it progresses, she's like, who's this weird guy? And like, I noticed this guy. And then she sort of builds up. This book starts off with Edward just being like, 
I'm going to school and Bella's there. And I'm like, oh, so like no Bill, like no Bill, like this is literally starts with Bella and ends with Bella. There's no like, a di- like, and every time he talks to anyone, like without Bella being around, it's about Bella. Uh, when he, when like, oh, I wonder what he did hanging out with the other Cullens. Nothing because their lives are very boring because they're immortals. They never sleep. And Edward can read everybody's minds and Alice, he can read Alice's mind. So he can also tell the future. That's something I never thought about is that because he can always read Alice's mind, he's essentially as clairvoyant as she is. He is both perceptive and receptive to other people's powers. So he experiences the same thing uh, that everyone else does around Jasper, but he knows when Jasper is doing it. Like he's fully yeah. conscious of it, which I actually kind of like. This is one of the tricks that I do enjoy where he's like, oh, why are we suddenly all feeling calm? And then he looks over at Jasper and Jasper's like, ain't I a stinker? <laughs> I do like that. <laughs> there are the few times his train of thought or the way he's like the way he's interacting with his family don't have to do with Bella are the most fun things that happen in this right, book. Like right. I told you early on, no, I never cited what it was, but I said, there are so many fun things happening that Bella wasn't paying attention to in this book. And the big one is that, uh, <laughs> uh, Edward and Emmett play matchmaker for mm-hmm. the character of Angela. Yes. And that is my favorite thing, and I wish that was the entire book, because Angela is the only person who is truly kind to Bella. Edward decides that he needs to give Angela some kind of reward. He figures out she has a crush on a boy named Ben, who also has a crush on her, and makes Ben jealous by saying he's going to ask Angela (laughs) out, and Ben has to act fast. And I think Ben says, who cares that she's six inches taller than I am? That's a huge height difference. So I understand why he needed to overcome. But that's very cute. That kind of thing does not happen enough here. Yeah. So one of the issues. So I guess if you're writing a prequel or a midquill or even like an like one of those like a, like this, like just a parallel narrative. This is barely a parallel narrative, by the way. This is the narrative. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Uh, like, uh, and if you haven't read this book, literally just retranscribes entire scenes, but just with I said instead of Edward said, um, the greatest thing that those things can do. And I always think of, uh, the prequel series to Wet Hot American Summer. Uh, we love First Day of Camp. First Day of Camp's amazing because it's an entertaining story in and of itself, but it also completely reframes Wet Hot American Summer. Like, you watch Wet Hot American Summer after that, and you're like, oh, a lot of what I thought was going on isn't actually what was happening. Like, there's more going on now. And it just slots in nicely. The best thing that a prequel or anything like that can do is give is is sort of, like, give you a new perspective on the original. And what this doesn't do is that. it Because Edward is such an open book already that he's pretty just he's what you think is going on even in the book where he's like uh jasper and everyone's all mad at me and he never explains to bella why until this book and it turns out they're mad at him because of bella like it's just that's it like there's no (laughs) there's no mystery there's nothing solved because their lives are very boring now rosalie seems more reasonable earlier 
so mm. is one change we have because we know the reason that she is upset that Bella is there. And it isn't just because Bella is hotter to Edward, although that definitely plays a part. Oh, people are so horny for Edward in this book. Like, I know, I know that I don't like this shouldn't be the only thing we talk about, but we do have to mention it because especially in the first half, we just get over and over again, like, and then Tanya treated me a way that was almost harassment. And then the girl, the woman who works in the front office at school is obsessed with me. Oh, my God. If you were ever wondering if the head office lady in Twilight sexually fantasized about one of the high school students. Well, congratulations, readers. You get that in detail. Uh, you also, does Mike think about Bella's boobs? He sure does. You may not have needed to know that, but now you know it. <laughs> also, uh, Jessica, like, vividly fantasizes about Edward. At first, it's like, I wonder if he does this with Bella and then jumps to, but what if it were me instead? <laughs> it's it's wild. We it's just crazy. read a book by Stephanie Meyer narrated by a man, a young <laughs> yes, boy. Yes, That was the same story. That made me go, oh my gosh, I really like the way Stephanie Meyer writes teenage boys. She's really authentic about that. And then I read this and I was like, this woman has no idea what a person is. This woman doesn't this woman seemingly doesn't know how teenage girls think, I guess, because it's like what women want. It's like when Mel Gibson's looking at all the women and all they're thinking about is the size of his package. And I'm like, I guess, is that what women think all the time? Like that's the what this is book is no. like. That's what this book is like. Like women are like, no, nah, the the vampire. Oh, this boy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, there's a million other guys at school. Also, Edward thinks about murder quite a bit. He thinks about murder. He you you use the kitten thinks of nothing but murder all day. Uh, meme describe this. You're not wrong. He does think about murder a lot. He thinks about the murders other people have committed a lot. He dwells on some of his past murders. That mm-hmm. is another one of my favorite scenes, yep. by the way. That is one of, like, because it's horror writing, for one thing. Right. Uh, which, That's what I wanted. I wanted yeah. that story. I wanted, like, to start off, like, give me Edward's, like, don't drip, drop it in throughout the thing, like, a few pages. I, we know he's killed people. We know he had a time where he went out and, and killed people as he tried to be a vigilante. And when she's writing about that, yeah, like how it sort of like even ate away at his like soul, like just Mm -hmm. doing that. Yeah. So we have a few, like we have a few kind of flash sideways or not. No, they're flashbacks. Why are Mm -hmm. they? I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, This (laughs) this book broke me this morning. Um, But (laughs) uh, yeah, we have like the tale of basically how Edward stopped being a vigilante Mm -hmm. uh, when he realized that what he was doing was not really solving any problems. And he was at the point where... He was killing people before their crimes had been committed. So in a sense, he was could kill people who were innocent when he has to figure out what that means for himself. And mostly that means being the prodigal son and going back to Carlisle and Esma. We get a tiny bit more detail on Carlisle's backstory. Yeah. Uh, I like how, having just read Life and Death, I do like how different Carlisle's backstory is, given that he is boy and right. uh, and uh, Kareen was girl. Uh and I like his interaction with the Volturi because it felt that one felt more. It felt more interesting here. Uh, the 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 dads they feel more interesting here to me. Charlie feels more interesting to me here. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it is Edward. If I had gotten more, 
I don't know. Part of what we fight against is that Stephanie Meyer establishes early on in the series that and she and she covers this in the book a little bit. I mean, quite a bit. It's really hard for vampires to change. Like it's hard for them to grow as people because that's just not what a vampire is. They are stuck in who they were at the time. Uh so we she does cover that. The problem one of the issues is that the book is so long <laughs> that all the good stuff, the stuff that I actually genuinely enjoyed, gets just diluted in repetition. And you didn't need to drag this conversation out this much. And you don't need a page of thinking in between each line of dialogue. I don't need to know how Edward came to the came to the like like idea that he had to say a certain sentence and then respond with it. Yeah. You don't need to know how they figured out which cars to use in order to get to James and Bella at the Ballet Studio in time. You don't need to know all the other futures that uh, Alice predicted that were all about five seconds off from each other. Uh, the only time the Alice predictions really work well for me here when they're talking about what they refer to over and over again as Alice is not, which is when she hasn't figured out exactly what Bella's future is going to be. And it's like every path is knotted in some way or another, mm -hmm. and she's trying to untangle them for Edward's sake. This is where we start seeing that Bella is going to be a vampire eventually. We also see over and over an image of Edward having killed Bella. Now, like, this plays into the whole, he thinks about murder a lot, but it is a good deal more interesting than most of his thoughts about murder. And in the final scene, not the final scene, like in the ballet uh, school or ballet studio conflict, he thinks about killing her. He's like, maybe I just do that instead, which is wild. <laughs> this is crazy. I was hoping that the ballet studio conflict, we'd get a much better action sequence. Oh my because... goodness, this was so unfair. Like, I, yeah. if you read it too quickly, you don't know that James dies. Like, Yep, it... You know, how long is this book? 800 pages long? More than 800, but yeah, close enough. It's more than 800, and they still... In the first Twilight, you don't get to see James get killed because it's from Bella's perspective, and she's, like, turning into a vampire at the time, and she's, like, in pain, and everything's, like, a, a mess around her. In this book, you don't get to find out really much about how James dies because I don't know. I don't know. He It just sort of happens off, off stage Edward again. Edward is so busy. Edward yeah. is so busy sucking uh, sucking the venom out of Bella's hand or her wrist that we don't get to see Jasper and Emmett tear James limb from limb and set him on fire. It's very rude yeah. <laughs> of Stephanie Meyer because I wanted this. I don't think she writes uh, like she likes writing battle sequences. Otherwise, there would be at least a couple in this like now six book series. Such as it is, this feels like a real cop out. Yeah, I mean, clearly we wanted to know how hard it was for Edward to suck on Bella's body. Oh, you did? Like, <laughs> it was so long. Like, we needed to know that. I mean, and yes, it's sort of an uh, interview with the vampire-esque. Like, once you start, it's really hard to stop mm -hmm. because uh, you know that's, that's the nature of the game. And yeah, it was a struggle. And yeah, but also, you're not reading this book if you've never read Twilight. Oh, no. Like, and I... And I, I, I guess I didn't understand. I, I don't understand. Like Bella in the Twilight books, it's not like the the Red Book of Westmarch or whatever. Like it's not like this is the diaries of Bella Swan found a hundred years later. 
But it still makes sense as a first-person story. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why Edward's relating this at this point to us. Like, it would make sense if it was like, Bella and I have been married now for a few years. Here's my recollection of the events going forward. Like, it would be interesting if she kind of, like, mixed it up. Like, what is it? What did this moment mean to Edward? Like, now that they've, I don't know. Like, make it a, make it a fifth book as opposed to just a rehash of, all those events we've already read. Also, so much of the like thought exercise stuff with Edward is covered in more interesting ways earlier in the book. Like we find out how Carlisle has perfected the art of turning a person without mm -hmm. like while trying to make it as painless as possible. Like the way he turned Edward is very strange. Tried to do it a little bit at a time. Turns out that wasn't any better. So he just goes all in with Esma and it's like, oh, she turned out about the same. <laughs> we already know how hard it is to stop. Right. We already know all of these things. Anytime Edward kisses Bella, any romantic tension is completely broken by pages and pages of him figuring out how hard he should kiss Bella. The only time that works for me is when she faints while they're kissing because she forgets to breathe. Because that's funny in the book, and it is even funnier here. He gets a little annoyed, but also he has trouble not laughing at her. There's a very famous, I can't remember what it's called. There's a very famous board game that's, I think it's considered like the most complicated board game ever created. It came out in like the 70s. And it's a, it's a war game, a tactical tabletop war game that everything is, it's so, uh, it's so granular that you have to figure out and roll dice and figure out stats for like each soldier in your regiment, like waking up in the morning and what does each one eat and how much energy do they expend prepping their weapons like it's that granular it's so granular it's not fun to play but people play it because it's not fun <laughs> that's what a conversation in this book feels like <laughs> at times like i don't need to know all this it's not aiding the narrative it's not letting me get to like there was also an exercise we had to do in school in acting where we would perform a scene or even a whole play and we would have to do the whole thing speaking our subtext. We would have to speak constantly saying what was going on in our minds. It was supposed to keep us like in the moment, like constantly in the moment. It was torturous. And I can't imagine what it was like to watch it. But also, this was kind of what it was like to read it because... <laughs> It was, it's, there's so much subtext that I'm like, no, just get, to, I want to know more about how hard it is to get a bag of blood from a hospital. Oh, good. There's a whole chapter about that. <laughs> a whole chapter about how hard it was to get blood to tr make for a transfusion for Bella. When you make the subtext text like this, then you lose all the fun details that Stephanie Meyer probably, like, I'm going to assume thought of. Maybe after she'd already finished the original books. I can't imagine that Angela bit was something she had in mind when she's writing yeah. these. I don't think she probably... May, maybe I'm underestimating her on this one, but I don't know if she knew that uh, Bella's thought blocking was genetic, which is another one of my favorite things in this book. I wanted so much more of this because uh, we find out that... <laughs> Edward has always thought that Charlie is just kind of dumb. Yeah. 
it turns out he can't read Charlie's thoughts as well as he can anyone else's. And and as a consequence, he can't read Bella's thoughts at all. So he gets kind of more vibes from Charlie, which makes it harder for him to divine exactly how he should act around Charlie, which makes it more authentic to the teenage boy experience of trying to impress your girlfriend's father. Also, the ways in which he attempts to impress Charlie, like wearing a raincoat, are very funny. But also it means that when he meets Renee, he's like, oh, she's not like Bella, but she is like baby. She is a little baby. No wonder Bella wants to take care of her all the time. She's just a baby woman. And I'm like, oh, God, like, uh. I mean, Renee has never been painted as anything more than a baby woman. May as well just put it right out there. There's a lot of Renee. There's like a 75% of a chapter of Renee. I honestly felt like I got better insight into Edward's character from life and death Mm -hmm. than I did from this book. Because I felt like the way she wrote uh, Edith was kind of like writing the flip side of Edward, but not like a different person. Just like, here's the stuff he wouldn't express uh, in this way. And so... If you wanted to get an insight into, like, the other parts of Edward, well, that's what Edith kind of is. She does the same things, but she just expresses it in different ways. As opposed to this, where it comes across, like, reading somebody's, like, like free journal, like, free writing thing, like, exercise in mm-hmm. school. Like, I have to fill up pages and pages. Here's everything going on in my head. <laughs> is this book the Babysitter's Club super special of Twilight <laughs> No, because if it was a Babysitter's Club super special, Edward would have like saved a busload of children and then had to take care of them. Also, we would have gotten an entire Emmett chapter. Um, this is the thing I wish he'd played with this more. The mental or half mental conversations that Edward has with the family sometimes do reveal interesting insights about the members of the Cullen family. I particularly like that he does take Rosalie aside at one point into the woods and say, hey, you gotta be nicer to my girlfriend. And she's like, hey, jerk, there are reasons I'm not being nice to your girlfriend. (laughs) You mentioned the super special, and that makes me think, like, why didn't we get a book as a retelling of Twilight where each chapter is a different character's perspective? Like, that would be cool. That's too good of an idea. (laughs) One chapter's Charlie for, like, a Charlie and Bella scene and, like, a chapter of Rosalie's perspective on what's happening. Like, that, to me, is an interesting idea as opposed... Because all those... Oh, those characters aren't in every scene already anyway. No. Uh, well, our Twilight Expanded Universe book ideas are good. They're they're better. Yes. Solid. Solid. We're doing an entire imprint that's just this. And we're calling it an imprint in, like, right. air quotes. So cheeky. Uh, speaking of imprint, we oh. get a little Jacob. Very little Jacob. We... <laughs> Get more Billy Black than we yeah, get of Jacob, which it, which checks out. It makes sense. Um, his the inside of Billy Black's head is just pure paranoia about the cold <laughs> ones. Like, is it just like a nonstop uh, rant about how these people need to leave? And and I do, I do like the flashback here. I do like the first time Carlisle calls Billy Black on the phone. It's like, hey. Sup, because this is a this is kind of the super special aspect of talking about a different character's perspective on a situation. Uh, we just have to see it filtered through. He is remembering this, and now Edward is right. relaying it to us, which is a little weird. 
But I love that Billy is like, I better replay everything that happened in this scene in my mind. There's no reason for me to do this, but I better do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, because there's no other way as a writer you can ex- you can get that storyline across. <laughs> no. When you- so, we, yeah, we learn about the treaty. Uh, I think we actually learn more exacting rules about the treaty than we ever learned. <laughs> In the yeah. main side. Or we'll ever need to know. Yeah, I didn't I, I didn't need all this. Uh, I do like that Jacob figures out that his dad was, like, <laughs> sending him on a wild goose chase in order to threaten Bella. He figures it out pretty quickly. <laughs> I also, I do like, there's a little insight into things like, the, as far as the vampires are concerned, they'll never be, as far as the vampires are concerned, the treaty is there to be honored but even if they did break the treaty, they would never suffer the consequences for it because there's no way any of the tribe could fight them because the wolves don't exist anymore. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of that going on where to sort of fe- feed into the idea that the the new wolf tribe is a complete shock to everyone. Yes. Um, but again, we don't get to that point in the story, really. Uh, no, because we have to end with prom. That's fine. Like, it's fine. We have to start with Bella and end with Bella, as you said. This entire story is just Bella again, uh, with some weird dashes of stuff that could have been really interesting if we'd followed the thread. Oh, uh, things like, uh, uh, what was Edward doing while Bella was asleep and he was watching her? Nothing. Yeah, he was sitting. Oh, he would read books really quickly. Yeah. Uh, that's it. He would read. And if you've read those books, I guess that's fun. Uh, I do like, there were times when I was very happy to see the detail of their early conversations because it's all the mundane stuff that Stephanie mm -hmm. Meyer probably wisely in the first round skated over. But in this round was like, actually, no readers can find out Bella's favorite color. Uh, embarrassing things that have happened to Bella. Uh, Bella's favorite books and why she likes this classic, but not that classic. Like, I think that's kind of cute. I think Mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing that's really going to appeal. Like, that appeals to the teenage girl in me. It's like, oh, he wants to know this all desperately. This is so important to him. He's got to know everything about this girl. But stuff that maybe didn't need an 800-page-plus novel to get out there. No, this book is too long. What about, like, this, like, like, maybe Stephanie Meyer writes the Diary of Bella Swan. That's just her listing her favorite things, her favorite <laughs> outfits, her favorite music. That's like 30 pages and kids can pick it up for $5.99. That'd be a big seller. This is like how I have the, like, I own Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Exactly. Yeah, like, this is, this is the kind of thing you uh, you want in hand, and maybe you paged through it once in a while, because you're like, actually, there was a really cool beast in here. Did I ever tell you guys about the Lethifold? Like, that sort of thing. Did I ever tell you guys that Bella's uh, favorite color changes day to day, depending on what color Edward's eyes are? <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah, you get to you get to know a lot about... Like, how did he know all the biology stuff? Uh, he's he's he can read the teacher's mind, A, so he knows what the answers are. And B, he's taken this class a lot and he has like a couple of doctorates, I guess. Like he has like degrees. There's just a lot of stuff that I'm like, yeah, we kind of figured this out. Like we're smart readers. We know that there's stuff going on. I don't need to know all of it. It's also I mean, it's OK. Credit to her for finishing this book. 
and putting it out. And this being the first book that I had to purchase because it was not available at the library and there was like a 10 week wait or something like that. Like people are reading this book. People have read this book. I haven't gotten to anyone outside of like our opinions on it, but I would be curious about them. Uh, credit to her for finishing it. This is filling in a lot of blanks that didn't need to be filled in. It's skipping over some that I would have really liked to see embellished on. And it's so late it's so much long after I would have really wanted this book. Mm-hmm. When I really wanted it was immediately after the original four books wrapped up. And obviously there were circumstances that prevented that from happening, but it feels like such, I mean, it's not too little too late because there's so much of it, but it just, it doesn't feel like the right time for this book anymore. Yeah. I would say it's too little too late. Like it's too little, like there's not enough new stuff like for, Having had all this time to be like to rework, I don't know. I will tell you this: I went to the Reddit boards. I okay, went to so the, I read the I read Reddit for Life and Death, but not this one. I went to the Reddit boards on this to see what people said, and of course, at our Twilight, this is everyone's favorite book. Like mm-hmm. because it's all young people who are reading the series, and as far as they're concerned, like they keep saying things like fixed a lot of the problems with twilight. And I'm like, I don't under, they're like fixed a lot of the issues that pop up with uh, Jacob later on. And I'm like, that do they Did like, it? Di- like they seem to think that like Stephanie Meyer went in and like now his stuff isn't so icky and gross later on. And I'm like, it, I, he's just, he's a stupid kid. Yeah. How do you uh, know that? And people are blown away by the fact that at the prom, Edward was planning on breaking up with Bella when you thought, he wasn't going to break up with or something like I was just like, yeah, I guess that's the twist is that when he's like forever and ever, baby, he's like forever and ever because I'm living forever, but not with you, my friend. Like, I guess that's the twist. Like, but people are twist. People are shocked and like, well, that just reframes the whole story. I'm like, no, because in the beginning of the next book, it doesn't matter anymore anyway. Oh, that was also, like, I I would say it's weird how many times Alice shows him the future where he abandons Bella. (laughs) It's weird that she's like, you are not going to believe the events of New Moon, Edward. Let me show you again. (laughs) Yeah, that's another issue is that it's the whole Alice thing. Like, it just, Alice always irritated me in the first place, but now it irritates me just because it's causing our protagonist to not have to really wonder about anything because it's just, well, I do this or I do that. I did like that it clarified a little bit more about Alice's powers, how like it's not just seeing the future. It's this constant just turmoil of shifting possibilities that it sounds awful. Actually. Yeah. Like, like no wonder Edward she's sounds annoyed. worse too. Like it sounds like I, it sounds more insufferable, but Alice's sounds like it would cause you splitting headaches constantly. It's just this like barrage of mental images that change from second to second. It sounds really bad. Uh, I'm so glad that they all use it as a tool, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, again, there's very little in this story that couldn't have happened without Alice's secret powers. Like, <laughs> Like, that's the other thing is just like, yeah, they could probably have figured some of this stuff out. Uh, How did Edward find Bella when she was being almost assaulted? I don't know. He just did. Like, he stalks her. That's his thing. (laughs) We don't need three chapters of like how he's like, "Mm, mm, what, Alan? Oh, uh, I better go find her. Like, we haven't even touched on Laurent and Victoria and James because there's nothing there. Um, Oh, 
There is one point, though, where they're like, we have a couple of vampire guests showing up this weekend. And I was like, oh, good. We'll get some other characters. And then Edward's like, I didn't even go home that weekend. <laughs> I only showed up as they were leaving. And I'm like, why would you introduce new characters and then be like, ah, I'm not going to have our, our, our narrator. He didn't want to hang out with, with Peter and Charlotte. Stephanie Meyer did want us to know that the only other woman uh, that <laughs> Edward has ever lusted after is Shaban, the Irish, uh, the Irish vampire. That is, that scene really got me in a, not in a, this is good writing, but that's, it's a very funny detail to drop in. It's like, <laughs> I haven't looked at a woman like this for a long time. It's like, so you like the really big Irish lady. That's cool. That's cool. I also like the fact that, like, the whole thing of, boy, oh boy, uh, uh, Bella's blood sure smells great, I'm really attracted to her, has happened to all the vampires, but they usually just kill that person because they can't <laughs> control themselves. Like, Emmett's like, yeah, I was, like, walking down the road, and I was like, what smells so good? And he sees, like, a woman in a field, and he just goes and kills her. <laughs> also, when they say... We've all we've all slipped up every now and then. It sounds like they've slipped up quite a bit. There's a point where Carlisle like reasons away how many people Rosalie has killed. It's yeah. like, well, they were bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also like a whole when Edward's flashing back to his like vigilante period where he's like, and it was essentially it was a pedophile who like convinced him to stop killing people. And I was like, yes. that was probably not a bad one to like <laughs> Maybe choose a like a less a more a morally like definite person to go out on. Yeah, yeah, that one's it's it's also one of these things where Stephanie Meyer is pushing right up against telling us exactly what this man wants to do. It's a lot like when Rosalie uh, gets like raped and murdered and right. we yeah we know exactly what happened. And in this book, she actually does use the term rapist to, t- yes. to describe those people, which is interesting like there are a few times she's more explicit in this book than she ever was in the twilight books like even the even the sex stuff uh is a little bit more like i'm not gonna say it's racy or risque in any way it's a little bit more um it's a little less abstract oh i don't like how edwards has abstracted every time he means distracted that feels like a copy editing error and maybe it's not Maybe he's just cool and and quirky, but I hate it. It's vampire lingo. It's what vampires say. Uh, I did find it interesting, though, that because Edward doesn't have, like, a pulse, that he actually has to have an implant to get an erection. That was, like, wild. That was a wild uh, thing. Like, all the male vampires have to have this implant that Carlisle gave them. (laughs) Right, yeah. Normal. Wow. This is a weird. That I was like a, that was like a full chapter too of Stephanie Meyer. I don't Meyer remember just... who I was talking to about this, but this was like the one thing they couldn't get over with Twilight. Like, doesn't work that. Like yeah, it doesn't that. work that way. We like, there's plenty of vampire novels that have covered that. Yeah, it's just like there's so many vampire stories that cover like the pain of immortality, like how it affects a person after a while, and this book shows a really boring life. <laughs> but doesn't really do go anywhere with it. Like, of course he's going after this like young girl. Like, there's nothing else to do. He's mm-hmm. read every book. He can read everybody's minds. They never go to sleep. He can't even escape into dreams. It's <laughs> of course like someone this is interesting. It's different. It's new. Of course he's gonna go after it. Uh 
There's only one great piece of entertainment that's about how boring it is to be a vampire. That is Jim Jarmusch's The Only Lovers Left Alive. Only Lovers Left Alive. Great movie. uh, Truly just about how mundane it becomes to be very old uh, to feed on humans, but do a pretty good job of keeping, like, keeping it close to the vest, and also to be a rock star. Like, it's very, it's good. Uh, I, I recommend watching that. Uh, it'll t- be a lot quicker than reading Midnight Sun. Uh, th- like, if I could do a highlight reel of this book, like, if I could just, like, pull the specific scenes that I thought were very fun, make those into, like, extremely short stories in a collection that's what i would have liked to see fold it into the like do a deluxe edition of twilight with like the best parts of this like folded in between chapters yeah i'm thinking like a from a certain point of view style collection yeah the star i mean they've done a couple volumes of it now i know but the star wars short story collection it's basically like what do the jawas do uh in their junk ship and that sort of thing like i i liked when we got glimpses of different things Oh, I thought of this a while ago. It's kind of cheating to be like Carlisle's the best of us when he's had the longest time to become the best of us, right? Yeah, yeah. That didn't have anything to do with anything else. It's just that Edward is really obsessed with how great Carlisle is. I I want them to run into different vampires. I wanted them to like... I wanted them to run into like... Guillermo del Toro-esque vampires. Like, oh yeah, there's all these, these vamp because there's we know there's different kinds of werewolves in this world. What if he's like, oh yeah, there are some vampires who their faces split open and a giant stinger comes out and they feed on you like a mosquito and they poop while they do it. Like, have the Guillermo del Toro vampires also around? And have an energy vampire. Throw in a Colin Robinson. Throw for in me. a Colin Robinson. They're so close a- to having energy vampires by having like different people who drain each other's powers and that sort of thing. Like they're yeah. one step away from having a funny, boring one. Have someone who thinks they're an emotional vampire. You know that friend of yours who always <laughs> thinks they're an emotional vampire, uh, and they post about it a lot, or they're a real empath, and that's their problem. Have people like that. I just want Edward to roll his eyes at them. I was getting a tattoo once, and the woman told me she was an empath midway through, and there was no way I could leave. <laughs> <laughs> Usually people who say that they are empaths just they just need a therapist. Like that's <laughs> that's literally No, you're not depressed because you you because you take everybody's problems onto yourself. You're depressed because you're depressed. Go talk to somebody about it. Anyway. So Midnight Sun is a book that we do not we can't give it the pizza toast seal of approval. Yeah, uh I mean if you want to read it, fine. It's 800 plus. The audiobook is 25 hours long. Oh my goodness. The audiobook is 25 <laughs> hours long. So read, if you want to have like an all night party. Read, <laughs> read, read Salem's Lot. <laughs> Pet Cemetery. These books will get you get Pet you where Cemetery you want to go. Pet Cemetery is so much shorter than this book. Yeah, it is. It really is. Like it's, it's a pretty short book. Salem's is closer. Uh, it will read much faster. <laughs> yes, yes. This is a slog, um, but I, I mean, there are things I liked, like the Angela and Ben stuff, yes. like the like, like the Charlie's got the mental blocky thing going on, uh, like like popping over to Alaska and seeing how cool Tanya is for a second and what could have been, like that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. More of that, less Bella. Less Bella. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, what we'll be concentrating on uh, over our break. Yes. Yeah, that's right. 
We're going to take a brief hiatus now that Twilight is done. We need to... Well, well, Christy and I won't because she's going to be guesting on one of my podcasts <laughs> tonight. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so sorry about that. I haven't read that book yet, but I don't think that's that much of a problem. <laughs> no, I think it's about a two minute read. Um, that's yeah. a, such a such a delightful change of pace for me. <laughs> but we have our next series already on lock. This doesn't usually happen and I'm proud of us. So if you want to get if you want to get out ahead, should we go ahead and reveal what we're going yeah, to be covering? Yeah, why not? This? You 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 bring the news. We will be covering Mary Rogers' Freaky Friday, the series, because there's three books: Freaky Friday, something else I can't remember, and Summer Switch. Yeah, I don't know uh, the titles of the other two, so you're ahead have, of me on knowing. We'll any be of covering them. all the Freaky Friday adaptations. And there's TV adaptations of the other two books with <laughs> celebrities in them. We, so we got that much shorter books. I think Freaky yes. Friday is like 140 pages with large so friends. nice. We get to hang out with some pretty big names during so this one. We get to think about music and musicals because there's a musical out there. Also, these books written by Mary Rogers. That's Richard Rogers' daughter. This is the woman who gave us Carol Burnett because she wrote Once Upon a Mattress. Like, we love Mary Rogers. She is a pop cultural institution. Oh, you are not ready for how much I love the 2003 Freaky Friday. You are simply not ready for that. You are not ready for us covering the Shelley Long, Gabby Hoffman Freaky Friday. Oh, I am familiar. Which... And uh, Jodie Foster and the original. There's so much going on. So mm-hmm. so much to do, so much to say. What? And if you have listeners, if you exist, if you're out there, <laughs> if you have thoughts on Freaky Friday, let us know because we're going to go hard. We- I can't wait. <laughs> so hard. So uh, I don't think we're doing a set time for this break. No, we'll Just be back. To- yeah, we'll be back. Yeah, we'll be back. Good enough. Who are we saying goodbye to? You know what I'm going to say goodbye to? What? All the Twilight stuff behind me. Yeah, yeah, you have so much of it, and it's all so beautiful. Uh, but I, I feel like you need to bring the center focus back to the Berenstain Bears, at least in the meantime. Yeah, let's say goodbye to Twilight. Go- goodbye, Twilight. Goodbye, Twilight. Oh, that's a series wrap on Twilight. <laughs> Should I play Green Day's Time of Your Life over the closing? I think probably. Or you can play A Thousand Years and I'll cry. (laughs) Okay, I found a cover of A Thousand Years that I'm going to play over the closing. (laughs) I I have found the cover, so I know what I'm putting. So you'll have to find out when I post (laughs) it. I can't wait. (laughs) 